All right, high schoolers, if you do me a favor, could we scoot as close to the front as we can? I know that's twice moving now. Um, <laughs> Jackson's going to come on stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we could thank you all so much. Y'all are awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, man, uh, I'm glad that you're here. I want to talk. I want to talk a little. Can we shut the doors? Because I want to. And, and am I out in the. Am I out? Good. Because I want to talk to these guys and gals. Just me and them for a second. And uh, you're not in trouble or anything. It's like when dad goes, shut the door, son. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. What did I do? Um, I want you to know how proud I am of you guys. And. Uh, and as I was reading this this scripture this week and going over this chapter, um, I mean, this is one of those tough, tough uh, chapters that Paul was talking about in little sections that we're going through this morning. Of um, he's really being real uh, with with the Galatians, and the thing I like about Paul's letter to the Galatians is he absolutely one hundred percent you can you can feel his love for the church of Galatia all the way through it. And we get to this portion, and we'll get to it in a second, but um, we get to this portion, and he says, he, he really gets intimate in his language. He says brothers over and over. I think there's four times where he says, three or four times where he says brothers. And then he says children. And, and he really loves this church and really wants God to move in a big way. And I want you to know, um, I don't put myself on the same level of Paul because Paul is the man. I mean, Paul is just, he's the man. Um, but what, what I find very similar between me and Paul is uh, my love for you guys is, is I see it all throughout Galatians. And, um, and I, I want you to know how much I love y'all. I want you to know how much I'm for you. And, uh, and I want you to know that, man, God has big plans and you guys are awesome. And uh, I just want you to be encouraged this morning with that. And, um, and as, we, as we go into Awaken Weekend and we go into uh, community groups and stuff like that, man, I want you guys to be excited because it's not anything about what, we're, but what we are and who we are. It's all Jesus. And I want you guys to get pumped up with that. Um, and today we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, and maybe we'll kind of figure out some things as, as, we, as we see Paul talking to the church of Galatia, we see him going through kind of a spiritual journey almost. And uh, as we get to this verse, uh, uh, as we get to these verses, we're going to be talking about, um, about uh, Paul's concern, but also, um, you know, this series is called Freedom, but Freedom to Grow. And, and in Christ, we have that freedom, and you already know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but, man, uh, I just I want to set the, the, set the stage, set the tone with that, because if we don't understand what Paul's telling us right here in this moment, as a student ministry, I think we, it, it will be detrimental. I think it will be detrimental. So I want to I encourage you today, and I want you to leave encouraged um, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I want you to, I want you to leave encouraged because uh, I was encouraged when I read this. So I want you to leave encouraged as well. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. That's where we are. We're in this series. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we have some. And if you want a Bible, we have some down front. Um, and we can hand those out if you need one or you want one. Pull it up on your phone. Uh, grab that note sheet. 
in front of you, but uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to be starting in verse 8, but we'll get there in just a second. So let's recap. Uh, we talked about freedom through grace, our first ser- uh, first talk in this series. We talked about freedom through grace, and uh, if you remember, uh, it was Jesus plus something equals what? Jesus plus something equals, starts with an L. Legal, legalism, legalism. Jesus plus something equals legalism. That's saying anything added to Jesus, added to the cross, equals legalism. Anything that we try to do on our own ability to earn God's favor, that is legalism. But then Jesus plus nothing equals what? Anybody remember? Starts with an F. Freedom. Very good. Very good. Jesus plus nothing equals freedom. So write that down. Write these things. We want you to take notes. We want you to remember these. And so the next week, so the next week we talked about freedom through faith and that Jesus's death was absolutely sufficient. We couldn't add anything to it. We can't take any way th- anything from it. It was actually absolutely sufficient to supply all of our needs. And then we talked about last week, freedom from, does anybody remember what we had freedom from? Starts with an S. Yes, slavery kind of thing, Uh, freedom from slavery to freedom as sons, as uh, co-heirs, as sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ. So freedom from slavery to freedom as sons. And today we're talking about freedom to grow in Christ. We're talking about that freedom that God's given us to grow closer to the the one who saved us. And so that's what we're going to kind of dive in today and our team in STS is going through a book uh, right now. It's like a 12-week study, and I, 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 this is the second time I've been through it. Really, really awesome stuff, but it's about discipleship, and it really helps uh, people define what it means to make disciples, and it really helps us to, to define where churches are or our student ministry is, anything like that, and it really helps us to really dive in deep. And one of the recurring themes in this study is where a, spiritually, a, a spiritual person is. And there's five steps in a spiritual person's uh, life. It's, it, number you don't have to write these down, I'm just kind of setting the stage up, but Number one is spiritually dead. That is a person who does not know Christ. And then a spiritual infant, and then a spiritual child, and then a spiritual young adult, and then a spiritual parent. And so that's kind of, that's the stages of a uh, person's spiritual life. Spiritually dead, spiritually infant, spiritual child, spiritual young adult, and then spiritual parent. And all these things, you fit into one of those categories. You in this room, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which most of you do, you fit in one of those different realms. And, and I think too many times we, we look at this and we go, okay, our, our hope is that we get to a spiritual parent or even a spiritual young adult. That's our goal. We want you to get to that spiritual young adult stage. And, and as you become 11th and 12th graders, that's our hope. That's our goal. We want you to get to that point. Um, but I want you to think about this. As a child, let's, take, let's flip it from spiritual to physical. As a child, as you're learning to do things, as my kids, watching my kids, and even you, you went through this, I went through this. You know, we're learning how to walk. We're learning how to talk. We're learning how to eat. And at, and at some point, someone had to show us how to do these things, right? And at some point, you had to grow up, right? Because in, let me give you an example. So if you never learned how to eat on your own, you never, someone never taught you how to eat on your own and you're constantly being fed. What if we came down here on a Sunday morning 
and your mamas were all sitting next to you. You're here, and you got your mama sitting next to you, and she's cutting your food up. And she's putting the syrup on and the butter. And then she's, you know, or, or how many of y'all are dippers? You know, you dip your, you dip your pancake into the, no. no, no, no then you, some of you just go dry. Yes. Oh, man, I got to have syrup in my, on my pancake. But anyway, however you do it, however you like it, she's cutting it up and just smiling at you. And then she gets the fork and she's like, all right, here comes the airplane. Here comes the airplane. You're 15 years old. Here comes the airplane. You're 17. Here goes the choo-choo. We're going to switch it up. Here we go. And you're going, mm-mm, you're going to dip it first. And I don't want syrup. And then finally she shoves it in your mouth. That would be awkward if we came down here and there's people, like parents, all through the cafe. Wouldn't it? That would just be an awkward thing. Because here's the deal. You guys, but why don't we have that? Why, why don't we have parents down here feeding you? We learn how, you learn how to eat. Like we all learn how to eat. We all learn how to take that fork, put it, stab it into some food, and then put it in our mouth and enjoy the flavor. And now that's the deal. We all learn these things. And we can flip it back over and we can, we can flip this back on a spiritual realm that as spiritually uh, alive people, I think there's a lot of people in the church who are still walking around with spiritual diapers on. And they have to be fed. And what I mean by that is they're, they're, they're wanting to be fed. And they want to be, gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, a, a spiritual infant, what are babies? They're very selfish. Like I look at my kids and they, they want food all the time. And they want to be clothed all the time. And they want to go play. I want to play on the playground. And I want to go outside. You were like that. I was like that. We're like that. And here's the deal. As spiritual babies, we're like that as, as well. A lot of us are like that. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And at some point, there has to be a point in our lives where we grow up. Too many times, unfortunately, I think people grow up physically, but they don't grow up spiritually. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about growing up spiritually a little bit. And in a crowd like that's here, you guys, I think you're the exact ones that need to hear this. Not that we have a bunch of spiritual babies sitting here, but I think when I look around this room, I see people who want to take that next step, whether you're a spiritual infant, you're a spiritual uh, child, uh, you know, you're working, knocking on the door of a spiritual young adult, you're, you're wanting to take that next step, or you know someone like this. And I want to give you encouragement this morning that this is what we have freedom to grow in Christ. And that's what Paul shows us this morning because there's so much that God has for us through his word. And so as we look at Galatians chapter four, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna dive in this. We're gonna kind of like we always do, tear it apart and then we're gonna put it back together and see how it applies to us, how we have freedom to grow in Christ. Is that cool? Can we do that this morning? Awesome, awesome. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for these teenagers that are here. God, I pray that you would bless them. This morning, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see you, God. God, see our need for you every day. Father, I pray that through these sometimes tough words that Paul has, God, I pray that you would illuminate our hearts to where we are with you. So Jesus, meet us where only you can meet us. And Father, that's at the cross. And so Father, as we, we sang about Calvary and we, we, we read about Calvary, God, speak to us about how Calvary has changed our lives, Lord. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
So let, back, let me back it up for a second. Paul is really, like, he's been really hitting hard and and, and to the church of Galatia. He's really speaking truth into them. He's really... Like really pouring into them hardcore. And then he gets to this point, and it's kind of like a midway section because when we get to chapter five, we really, he, he really starts really hitting them hard. And we're going to talk about that next week. And this it, next week is going to be a tough one. And so I just go ahead because when I read chapter five of Galatians, I'm always convicted. I'm like, every single time, I'm like, okay, God, I think that's enough. And he said, no, no, I want you to be so much like my son, Jesus, that, that you've got you've to look at some things. And so chapter five is next week, so be prepared for that. It's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be really good. But as we look at chapter four, Paul kind of breaks down in this moment of, of really uh, a real deep intimacy, he breaks down in this real deep, intimate part as he so badly wants the church of Galatia to understand. And so let's read this. If you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter four, we're gonna start in verse eight. It's three paragraphs, really short, and we're gonna kind of break these apart. So verse eight. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are, you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you and somehow th that somehow I have wasted my efforts. Paul, we'll just pause right there because what Paul, uh, I want to kind of explain this before we moves on, move on. Because Paul, listen, Paul had poured his life into this church. He had, he had really sought this church out. He had really sought the fact that he really wanted God to do something big in this church. He really wanted God to do something big in this ministry. And we see this. And he says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slave to those who by nature are not gods. What's, what's, show me the, uh, the, uh, the first letter in that last word of verse eight. What case is that? Lowercase. It's lowercase. And so it's this lowercase g that he's saying, that, that this lowercase uh, little god that he's saying, that, that, that you did not know the one true God, but you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. By, but now that you know God, but now that you know God, how is it, to, or, or, or rather, excuse me, or rather known by God that God knows your name, church, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? He's saying, how would you go back to those things that are, that are just trying to take the place of the, the uppercase God, the uppercase G God here? And he's saying, how could you go back to those things? Because it, it, it's foolishness. It doesn't make sense. And then he goes, he really gets specific. He's really teaching and talking to them. He says, you're observing the special holidays and months and seasons and years. He's saying, you're doing all these things for the lowercase uh, g gods. He's saying, you're, you're, putting your, you're putting your hope and your faith and your trust, you're going back. Remember, you are known by God and God knows you. He knows your name and knows everything about you, church. But you keep turning back on them and you keep turning back and you keep doing these things over and over and over. And then he says these words, he says, and I fear that somehow I've wasted my time. 
He's saying, I poured out everything I know how to pour out. He's saying, I poured out my whole life into you. And he says, man, I, I just don't even know now because I hear these reports that you keep turning your back on the one true God. And then he says this in verse 12. He says, I plead with you, brothers, become like me. He wasn't being arrogant. He wasn't saying, he wasn't saying look at me like uh, I'm the best. He says, for I became like you. You've done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of illness that first that I first preached the gospel to you. He was sick. We don't understand the exact uh, depth of his sickness, but he came to the church when he was sick, and he says, even through my illness, uh, or excuse me, even though my illness was a trial to you, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I was an angel of God, as if I was even Christ himself. He said, you had so much love for me when I came for you. You were, you were hurting, or I was hurting in a time of need, and you just poured out your blessings. You poured out your love like if an angel, not even just an angel, that Jesus himself was on the scene. You welcomed me. You loved me. Paul says you, you were here. And then he says this in verse 15. He says, what happened to all of your joy? What happened to all your joy? I can testify that. If you had done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Listen to the language that he's using. He said, you loved me. You looked me in the eyes with tears in your eyes and said, man, I love you, Paul. Whatever you need, I've got for your back. I've got it. And then he says, "How or have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They didn't want to hear it. Church of Galatia, they didn't want to hear truth. They didn't want to hear the gospel. They didn't want to hear that what they were doing was not Christ-centered. They didn't want to hear that the, the stuff that was going on in their lives was not lining up with the cross. It kept hitting this wall because they were trying to do things to earn the favor of the Lord, but it wasn't working. And then he says this in verse 17, those people are zealous to win you over. Those people, those those false teachers those people is what he's saying those people are zealous to win you over but for no good what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them and what he's saying is these things he's saying these people are trying to come in to win you over and say we're the best we got everything come with us come follow us it's hype over here everything's good over here you don't have to you don't have to do all that stuff that Paul was teaching you don't have to say those things you don't have to cut that stuff out you can just be who you want to be and do what you want to do and go where you want to go but come over here we won't alienate you we won't we won't look at you funny just just come on and join us. And Paul is saying, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, and not just for when I'm with you. And then he says these words, verse 19, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He says, my heart hurts for you. The pain and the tears that my, my, my body feels for you, it's overwhelming. It's to the point where he drops to his knees and he's writing this letter. And I have a feeling Paul, as he's writing this letter, stops because he can't even see the paper that he's writing this letter on because there are so many tears in his eyes. And he's writing this and his hand's probably shaking. He says, oh, how I wish I could be with you now. 
and change my tone because I am so perplexed. He says, I am so confused about what's going on. You, and then he gets, man, I'm telling you, chapter five, he just hits him hard. But he says, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And I think the reason they got to this place because they didn't understand the freedom that it takes to grow in Christ. I think they got to this place, this church of Galatia got to this place where Paul is just brokenhearted and really just weeping over them because they didn't understand that, that their freedom in Christ was not just to stay at that moment where they, they said a prayer or they were born into a family. It was so much more than this. It was at a point where they had to grow up on their own. They had to take steps to grow up and grow deeper in their walk with Christ. And so I see three things out of this chapter. So if you're taking notes, I just see three things out of these three paragraphs and the first one in that first paragraph I would see that they have freedom to grow in grace freedom to grow in grace and the reason I say that is because we if we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior and God's riches have been given to us at Christ's expense we have no other way to go about it but grow in that grace because we don't have to settle for the little G, God's. Those things that come in your life, those, those temptations that come at you, whether they, they be pride or they be lust or they be arrogance, whatever it is, those little G guys that want to make you feel so much better and that you could just earn this favor and it's not, it's not. Even to the point where it's not just temptation, but if I go to church more, if I have my quiet time more, if I pray more, I will, I will be closer to the Lord. And that's not what he's saying. You don't need to go back to these things. Even, even not just the bad stuff that we think and we put in that row of bad things. He's going, no, no, no. The stuff that you try to work to do those those mission trips that you go on and in those service projects that you do at church and and these things that you try to do for yourself he's saying no 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 that's not how it works because here's the danger here's the danger if you go to church and sing songs and study the bible think you're going to earn god's favor then you're no better than any other religion or you're no better than any other religious person that walks and steps foot on this planet. David Platt says this, I love this. He said, that makes you a slave to religion instead of sons in a relationship. That makes you slaves to a religion instead of sons in a relationship. Think about this. You know, my friend, uh, my friend says that religion is like a cup with a hole in it. You know, you can try to pour and pour and do all these things and keep pouring and pouring, but it constantly falls out. It, it constantly, it'll never get to the top and you can keep pouring and you can keep pouring and you think, oh, I've made some, I've made some ground and I've, I've filled it up, but it keeps falling out. And my fear is that too many times, too many people have, have, have these spiritual diapers even today as we go, I can just go to church and I can just check this off and I can just have my quiet time for the sake of having my quiet time or I can just pray because that's what you do before you eat. And Paul says it's so much more than that. It's a relationship. Why is it a relationship? Man, do you get this? Do you see it in verse nine? 
He says, but now that you know God, and he just pauses, he says, time out. He says, or rather, you are known by God. God knows your name. As you sit in here a couple weeks ago, we said, Jesus loves, and you said your name, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves Ryan. Here's the deal. God not only just loves me, he knows me. He knows everything about me. Man, that's comfort. And in that, there's freedom to grow in grace, but that's not where it stops because this relationship changes everything in our hearts. There's freedom to grow in grace, but there's freedom to grow in trust. There's freedom to grow in trust, and that's something that's really hard for a lot of us because we've been burnt so many times. And you say, Ryan, I have a hard time trusting people. I have a hard time trusting God even. I mean, look at what Paul says. He says, I plead with you, brothers, become like me. You've done me no wrong. As you know it, because of illness, I came to you and I preached to you and you poured your love into me and, and you gave yourself out and you, you helped me out and you helped me get over these things and you were so full of joy. But then he says, verse 15, what happened? He said, what happened to your joy? And as you sit here in this place or you hear this talk online, I want you to ask, answer this question, do I find joy in my salvation? And that's one of those things where you could write that down. Because do you truly find joy in your salvation? Because that joy changes everything. That joy changes everything in your life because the answer to that says a lot about where you are spiritually. Because here's the deal. When joy is around, the enemy gets hacked. When joy is around, because it's not happiness, because happiness we all know is circumstantial. You know, if I get a new puppy, I'm happy. But if I don't, I'm sad. If I see a movie, like I saw the Lego movie, I was so happy, the Batman, it was so good, you need to go see it. Well, I, I saw the movie, I was so happy. But, but that's circumstantial. It's in those moments where I sit in my office and I'm going, what is going on? And the enemy is just attacking me and I go, why are you attacking me, Satan? I just hate your guts, I hate everything about you, I hate what you're doing. And he goes, because you have joy in the Lord. And so if you have that joy, you need to be prepared for the attack. If you have that joy, you need to be prepared that the enemy is going to try to persuade you to do other things. Listen, he's going to persuade you to do things that look so good. I'll just go to church because that's what you do. Stand up and read scripture because, man, you might gain points for the Lord. And I'm not even talking about sinning here, like in the fact of sins, like those things that we think of are just bad, bad stuff. No, I'm talking about the stuff that we think would earn favor to the Lord and that's wrong. So I ask you, do you have joy? And you don't have to answer this out, just answer it in your heart. Do you have joy in your salvation? That doesn't mean that every day is just a rosy day that you walk up and you're like, or you wake up and you're like, oh, yes, 
ah, you know, that you have that, 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 that noise, just trumpets or something. You walk out the door and you're, you know, and rainbows and butterflies and bubbles, you know, bubbles walking, you know, you walk in your hallway at school and like bubbles machines just, oh, this is beautiful. It's like a dream sequence. Everything is a haze. And it's like, oh, this is so good. You know, it's not one of those things. The tough days happen, hard days happen, but in those hard times and in those good times, do you find joy in your salvation? And that answers a lot. Because I'm going to tell you, the, the only way this student ministry or any other student ministry for the sake, any student ministry, mark my words, a student ministry that is growing is a student ministry that has joy in the Lord. A student ministry who enjoys what Jesus has done. And also a student ministry that is together because of what Christ has done in our lives. And I see a group of teenagers here that, man, I I look at you and I know God's done big things. Man, what if we came together? What if you came together with the joy of your salvation? I truly feel, feel like, I truly feel like and nothing could stop us. But it starts with examining our hearts to have that trust in the Lord that we truly say, my life is in your hands, I trust it all, Lord. So we see this freedom to grow in grace and then we see this freedom to grow in trust and then we see this last one, freedom to grow in passion. Freedom to grow in passion. As you guys know, I'm a very passionate dude, like super passionate. I'm passionate a lot about a lot of things. And I have that passion because, because there's a burning desire in me for certain things. Like when I, when I started CrossFit six years ago, I was that crazy knucklehead who drank the Kool-Aid to go beat myself down every day. And people go, you're an idiot. And I'm like, oh, I love it. Give me more pain. And I'm like, let me, let me lift this and let me run. And I hate running, but I would get up in the morning and run. I mean, I loathe running. You, you, there are people in this room who run for fun. I don't get it. I don't understand. I hate it. But I would do it, and I would run, and I would, I would fight because I was passionate about it. I loved it. It wasn't for anything else, but just I loved to do that. And then I, I take that to my, to my family. I love my family. I take this to our student ministry because I love you guys. Whether you know it, realize it, want it or not, I love y'all. And I care about y'all. That's why I text. I don't want you. Please understand if I text you and I say, hey, I missed you on Wednesday night or I missed you on Sunday or anything like that. That's not me making you feel bad. I genuinely, bottom of my heart, missed you. And I want you to know that you're cared for. When our team, when you get that text from one of our team members, it's not to convict. It's to show that we love you and we care about you. We truly and genuinely miss you. Because that passion in us knows that our passion is for the Lord. And that passion for the Lord comes out in so many different realms. It comes in so many different ways. And Paul says in that last chapter, he says, man, you can be, je- we, you can be zealous, you can be passionate about a ton of different things. But he says this word he says in verse 19, my dear children, remember he's talking about, he got really intimate with them, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, I'm, I'm hurting for. 
until Christ is formed in you. That formed word in the Greek is morpho. Morpho. And that word is where we get uh, the, the, the term morphed. Means to change. To change. To change. You don't look the same and you don't act the same and you don't do the same things that the world does. Not because you're, you're better than the world. No, because Christ is in you. And at some point, I, I really do think this passion in us, we see this and we go, man, God can do something big in you. And look at me real quick and we're going to end in just a second. God wants to do something big in each and every one of you. He wants you to be passionate about Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to have freedom to grow in grace. And wherever you're at in this room, I don't know where you are. I can't dive into the realms of your heart. But my prayer is that we would do just that. And we would give all of our hearts to him. Because he's so worth it. He's so worth it. I promise you, if you would just let him. If you just let him take that spot. He's worth it. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you for these teenagers this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I pray that they would have understanding that you want them to grow in you. And Father, I pray that you would just open up their, their spiritual hearts to, to just walk further and deeper in a relationship with you, Jesus. God, I, I thank you that you know our names and that you don't want us to stay where we are. You don't want us to be spiritual infants. God, you want us to grow up in you. And it's not for anything other than you, Jesus. So Lord, let us continue in worship. Let us continue to know you more. Be with our friends that aren't here this morning. God, I pray that you would bless them, Lord, today, wherever they are. God, I pray that you would let them feel your peace and that they would know that they're loved. And so God, we love you and we thank you, God, for your love for us. It's astounding this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Y'all have a great week. Be looking out for the info on community groups and Awaken Weekend. It's going to be super rad. So love you guys. Thank you, darling.